Joining me now, Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. I have all kinds of plans for this conversation. Oh, I'm sure you do. The number of <laughs> questions you sent me last night in the email, I was like, I, I'm not even going to prep. I'm just going to go on the air and just ch- chat with Your you. Your whole life has been preparation for this conversation, Bill. Your whole life. <laughs> all everything, 59 years. Everywhere okay. you've ever been, everything you've ever done, every verse you've ever read, preparation for this right now. All right. There you go. So, um, so Bill, people are living today with... Uh, you know, we're trying to just live our lives. We're trying to go about our business. We're trying to do what's in front of us to do. But we all kind of recognize that, wow, we're just we're just living in this um, global moment, national moment, local moment, where if the news comes down that we have been somewhere in close proximity to a person who, let's say today, is diagnosed with the coronavirus, our individual life, the life of our family, the life of our business, the school our kids attend, the church we go to, all of those places are going to be immediately impacted. And so how do we as business owners, managers, organizational leaders, how do we make contingency plans for stuff that's unknown, um, but what, but that we could at least anticipate may well happen in the next days or weeks? Yeah, yeah. This is part of risk mitigation. And so <clears throat> the, the... First of all, what does the word mitigation mean? Mitigation, to get rid of it. In other okay. words, to limit it, to uh, suppress it, maybe might be another way to put it. So um, what, what you have to do is look at on, on there's an x-axis and a y-axis. So you have the line going vertical and you have a line going horizontal. And what you do is you say, here's all the potential things that could happen. And you plot it along one line. And then on the other line, you say, what's the severity to our business or our family or a project or a church, whatever, if it does happen and you plot that on the other line. And then you'll end up with four quadrants and you take the quadrant with the most, the most likely events that have the highest severity and you start to plan for them. What would we do? And you kind of game it out, right? You just you, you, you game it out and you say, if, if this happens, then we're going to take these steps to do these things. And then there might be some <clears throat> proactive mitigation steps that you can take to lessen the um, likelihood that a particular um, uh, event, event will happen. So let's say, for example, you are a pastor of a church or you're an elder in a church and you're saying, well, how do we handle the coronavirus Given that we meet every day on Sundays, we don't know who's going to come in. We don't know what kind of viruses they have. We don't. We 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 just don't know. And let's just say, for giggles, you have a thousand people who go to your church uh, on a regular basis. Well, and bring their babies and, and drop bring, them off well, yeah, and put yeah. them in the hands of other people. And right, yeah, right, ahead. yeah. You know, it's it's not a bad thing. So. It, it, all you got to do is just manage it. So, you know, what, what what could happen? Well, somebody with coronavirus comes in, somebody with this other virus comes in, you know, how are we going to handle that? Well, proactively, you could say we're going to pass out hand sanitizer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That might be, we just we just have wipes at the door with trash cans all over the place. And, oh, and like pe- the grocery store where they provide that thing for me to wipe off my cart. Right. Right. Nice. You know, that would be a proactive step that a church could take or a or a community organization or a business could take. I can tell you at Accurate Home Care where I'm we're still, you know, I'm still the CEO there. We have hand sanitizer everywhere, right? But we're also a medical facility. So my sister says yesterday to me on the phone. Yeah. Were were people not washing their hands prior to this? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Correct. Yeah, people weren't washing their hands. 
Wow. I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm, I'm, this is another Bill Bummer, Bummer Bill Wednesday, I guess it is. But, you know, uh, the, the, we're going to have to have like, we're going to have to call it like redeeming Bill Wednesday. <laughs> and it would have Come a double on. entendre. Right? No, we, 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 we could have so much fun with Bummer Bill Wednesday. I mean, we could <laughs> build it up here, you know? You know he, Paul we're trying to build another... up an audience, Paul. We're not trying to drive oh, people away. Okay, sorry. He They're already to... driving. We want, to, we want to, yeah. He just wants to build another 30-second spot. That's all you want to do. There you go. So. But, uh, you know, so, so there are some things you can do proactively, some things you do reactively. The, the things that are highly severe but not likely to happen, you don't plan for those. You just, you know, pray that they don't happen. And if they do, you'll deal with what's there. So okay, I'm putting prey, prey in my because on my Y axis, I made it less severe to really severe. And on my X axis, X axis, which is my up going up and down, unlikely to likely. So it's higher likelihood. So my upper right hand quadrant is the one I want to be really focused on and paying attention to. But if it's really severe, but unlikely, I'm just putting prey in yeah, that box. Yeah. Okay. And look, and look, good. actually, people have a much better chance of getting a common cold than they do of getting the coronavirus. Sure. And people have a much um, more likelihood that they will die in an automobile accident today than they will be getting a coronavirus. There's a lot of things that are much more common that we're not hyped up about that can really harm us uh, than the coronavirus. And so we have to keep this stuff in perspective in spite of the fear that's coming from the media today. Yeah. Okay. Perspective is a really good word. Um, if you are driving right now, we're going to pray one of those hedge of protection prayers around you. Bill English and I will be right back. I don't know if you can check any of this out at BibleandBusiness.com, but Bill does have some good stuff posted there. We'll be right back. All right, I'm continuing my conversation this morning with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com, and I am now going to present him with some scenarios. Vignettes. Bill, welcome to <laughs> Wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday with Bummer yeah. Bill. All right. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so here's scenario number one. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I have a small business. Yeah. One of my employees, um, oh, all but one of my employees have school-age kids. Yeah. Schools in our community um, are going to close down out of an abundance of caution. So what are some options? A uh, couple of options for the business owner. Number one, you uh, hire some uh, uh, babysitters and you coalesce them somewhere in your offices and let people bring their kids to work. And you figure out how to share the costs on that. That would be one. Uh, and a lot of hand sanitizer. Uh, number two, you, those who can work from home, you let them work from home. And you send them home with a lot of hand sanitizer. Uh, number three, uh, you look at those who are like in a production line or, or something where they cannot have kids with them and they cannot go home. Uh, you work with them to see if you can help subsidize temporarily some child care for them and some hand sanitizer. So, Bill, I feel like you, you have stock in some sort of hand sanitizer <laughs> company, but I'm going to resist saying that. Okay, those are good. Those are really good ideas. Those are really great ideas. Yeah. Um, I'm. I, I think that maybe as a part of that, if I'm a church leader and I know I have small business owners who are going to be in this kind of predicament, you know, maybe this is a proactive opportunity for the church to say, "Hey, we could be the place where." You know, for a couple of our small businesses, we actually provide this kind of uh, of student care, child care. I don't know what the language is going to be. I mean, in much the same way that during spring break or the summer, we have stuff at church that's for kids, recognizing that 
parents who aren't at home need a place for their kids to be that's safe. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm just brainstorming. I mean, maybe that's more kids than we want in one place, and that's a challenge, and we probably have to talk to our insurance company about that. But um, but that would be an option, and maybe we could staff it with volunteers um, as well. All right, yeah, I, how like, about, I like that idea. Yeah, here's um, – I'm the person with the good ideas. You're bummer, Bill. I'm, like, wonderful – I don't know. I need <laughs> I need something that goes with – you know, starts with a C. I need, I need just Carmen. that audio. You're bummer, Bill. I just need that two seconds, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Okay, so I'm in volunteer leadership um, at my church. At what point do we cancel gatherings beyond a certain number of people? Well, I think we're a long way away from that. To me personally, again, you know, we're just a long ways away from that. There are so many more things that we accept as risks in our society that hurt us and harm us, and yet we still get together. At at its core, I think this coronavirus is way overhyped. I really do. When you look at the, like, like the John Hopkins. In terms of the actual risk that individuals listen right now. All right. Yeah. 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 I concur. It's, it's just, it's just overhyped and I don't, I don't like to feed that. Good. All right. So keep going to church and keep holding church events. Yeah. 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 And hand out and a lot of hand sanitizer. (laughs) Okay. So let's do this one because I think that this is, um, this is at, at sort of the pinch point for a lot of people. Um, I work uh, at a hotel or other, you know, outlet near a convention center. Oh, all boy. the conferences and concert, uh, all of the conferences and concerts have been canceled. I don't get paid if I don't work, so there's no work, so I'm not getting paid. What do I do? Well, you file for unemployment, for starters, and uh, you just look around for other work and ask the Lord to provide something supernaturally. Um, and and if it mean, if it means if it end end up meaning that you change jobs permanently, you do that. Yeah, there are lots of uh, of opportunities when there's a crisis. And so um, I think that people can be creative in terms of uh, looking for other work, even creating other work. Um, there are going to be any number of opportunities that emerge um, for delivery kinds of, uh, of things. Um, and you know, I mean, just so I think that there's a an opportunity in the midst of this crisis as well. And so we don't want people to panic. I do think that as churches, we need to be prepared to help people think creatively. Um, I do think that churches should know how to help people file for unemployment. My guess is a lot of churches don't know how to do that. This has never been something that they've ever considered needing to help their people do. Other churches are very adept at these kinds of things. Um and so uh, let's learn from one another in the midst of this and let's, um, you know, let's be creative. Hey, those small business owners in our first scenario are going to suddenly need employees that they never needed before, or at least contract laborers for a period of time in relationship to childcare. Maybe the church hosts it. Maybe the small business helps um, helps underwrite it. And we also solve the employment problem for the individual who lost their um, hourly wage job near the convention center. So I do think there's a way for all of this to work together. There's, <clears throat> I may, I may be wrong on the exact numbers, but I'm right on the concept. If I remember right, there's about six million people right now this morning looking for a new job, and there's seven and a half million job openings. So this is one of the first times since the Department of Labor has been tracking it, where the number of job openings is greater substantially than the number of people looking for work. So in that last scenario that you mentioned, you work at a convention center, you get laid off. There's lots of other jobs out there that you can go get, and you can probably change them permanently. 
uh, I doubt that employers are going to want to see you leave that quickly, and they may you may find them doing some extraordinary things to retain their workforce. And I, I know San Francisco's facing this, and other convention center areas are facing this. Uh, these these are difficult times for employers because the costs are going to shoot through the roof without commensurate revenue to cover those costs. Okay, this is a surprise question because I just thought of it. Okay. So I've heard this proposal that maybe there will possibly be a period of time during which um, payroll taxes are not taken out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where does the payroll tax go and what is it used for? And so if we're if we're suspending payroll taxes for a period of time in order to put more money in the pockets of um, uh, of workers, which is sounds like a good thing. What are we then not paying for? On the other end, yeah. So the payroll tax—they're probably talking about the FICA tax, the federal insurance, uh, basically social security tax, where the where the business pays half and the individual pays half. And I think what they're talking about suspending is the half that the individual pays. The company will still pay their half. And so that 7.165%, if I remember correctly, would go directly into your pocket. You just you would just have a little bit larger paycheck, and you would spend that money, presumably, and stimulate the economy. What isn't getting well, you're paid? You're going to make me spend it on hand sanitizer. Well, I can of course. Tell. Well, you, yeah. should, you know, there are some great bargains <laughs> on the stock market right now. I tell you what, you ought to wow. be, if you have the money, you ought to be extending your positions in the market right now. But no, This is not a financial advice I know, show. I know. No, no, I, I have to say that. It's not a legal advice. We give no legal, we give, we give actually no advice. We just talk. We just talk, right? Yeah. But, um, but what's not getting paid on that FICA piece is, is the deposits into the social security system. So ultimately that means the government will borrow more money in the long run to meet its obligations. So really who pays for it? The American taxpayer. Yeah. So it's a benefit. I mean, it would be a benefit. It would be a great thing in, in the short run, but there's always a long-term consequence that we should consider as we, the people. All right, Bill, thank you as always so much for joining us. Um, See, you were totally prepared for the conversation. Yeah, my life really prepared me for this. Yeah. Amen. That's the way we live. (laughs) All right. That's Bill English. You can find him at BibleAndBusiness.com. We got to take a break for Breakpoint. Mm -hmm. 